we are live. Welcome, folks, to episode 3,423 of the Survival Podcast. And after a long break, it's also episode 45 of the Bitcoin Breakout. That's right. Today we're talking about your favorite or your least favorite uh, subject that we ever talk about on TSP, depending on who you are. I expect a modest showing during the live stream. Uh, I have been getting a lot of very excited, feverent, hey, you need to do another Bitcoin breakout episode over the last quarter of last year. And I'd always plan to bring it back in January. And I figured we would come back in January and I would do like the first episode would be answering like all the questions that have accumulated. What wallet do I use? All this stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, we're not talking about that today. And we're not talking about it because of some discussions that I had online, very good discussions, uh, kind of steel sharpening, steel discussions with other Bitcoiners over the shutdown. And I wanted to come at today with a much more macro view, view. So I will, I will absolutely talk about some things that are kind of current event things that are going on. We'll talk a little bit about the ETS. We'll talk a little bit about the having coming, which is not an if, it's a definite because it's math. And some other things. But this is a macro view. This is a long time preference look at Bitcoin. And um, this actually started because I had a discussion with somebody about Bitcoin loans. And this person's take, and, and this was my issue, right? The use of the word never. I, 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 there are certain absolutes that I despise in language unless they are really, really thought about it before they are used. When somebody says, everybody is talking about, no, they're not. Everybody's talking about Taylor Swift. No, they're not. I don't give a flying shit about Taylor Swift or whatever foosball guy she's banging around. I don't care. So when everybody, or when they say always or never, right? So never was the, 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 the issue here. The people would never, never take Bitcoin loans for fiat uh, in any meaningful way because the terms are so awful. And my response was, well, the way they are right now, they won't. And then he had this long diatribe. And this guy was smart, by the way. He had good reasoning for his thoughts based on the now, but not tomorrow, of why, you you know, they're just awful and you, they're too high interest and short payback and you'd be better off getting a HELOC from your house. Yeah, check the rates on that shit right now. And uh, so... That was kind of the genesis of this. And I'm like, you know, in my discussion with him, I just read because I read science fiction or total like just complete fiction at night before I go to bed. And I do that usually for five to ten minutes. It's just to shut my brain off of all the business stuff, all the families like to just like I am not going to sit down and read the Bitcoin standard at 11 o'clock at night in bed. I'm not going to do that because it's going to turn my brain on and I want to shut it down. So I read sci-fi. That's one of my escapes. And I was reading a particular Star Trek novel and it had a recurring theme that I've seen in Star Trek and other places, which is generational starships. And we'll talk about those are in just a second. But my, my comment to this guy is, would you get on a generational starship knowing that you will never step foot on the planet in the planetary system that's eight or 80 light years away that your great-great-great-great-grandchildren will? Can you even put yourself into that timeline preference? And when I did that, when I said those words, or actually typed those words, this whole thing came 
in my brain at once, which is something that happens a lot, I think, for creative people, podcasters, et cetera, that like one thing is like a little thread. You pull it and the whole tapestry goes, and instead of tearing it apart, it builds something that then has to be painted or spoken into existence. So that's what we're going to do today. We're looking at long-term time horizon. And if you're going to ask me about what do I think about shitcoin XYZ today, I'm not even going to respond those of you in the live stream, if you say, but shitcoin XYZ just signed a contract with Nintendo to make game spaces eat other game spaces or something, I don't care. This is a Bitcoin conversation. It's called the Bitcoin breakout, not the shitcoin breakout. All right. So that's what we're talking about today in this macro view. Before we do that, let's go ahead and get into uh, uh, before we get into the show, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today. Uh, I'm going to take some axes to task today in some of this discussion. Not really intentionally. It's just going to happen as a byproduct. And a lot of Bitcoin maxis, and they, that term is, uh, no one polices that term, but a lot of people that identify that way think like every other asset class is crap. Not me, guys. I've been talking about diversified investments in a real meaningful way for 15 years that I'm never going to stop. And one of the great Long-term, long-time preference investments that's out there that's approachable to all people is silver and gold in a tremendous variety of ways. You know, we're going to talk about ETFs today. Yeah, you can buy silver in an ETF, but the only way you get me to buy a silver ETF is I want to trade it quickly and I need liquidity or it's in an institutional account where I can't do anything else and I want silver with that money. But if I want to stack silver, I put it in a safe and I take care of it and it's mine and it's none of your business and it's me, you, and the fence post money. And when I buy my silver, I buy from my own sponsor, J.M. Bullion, who's been a sponsor now for a decade. I want to say that again. We have had J.M. Bullion as a sponsor of the show for a full decade officially. This actually is February. They will be a decade as a sponsor. Amazing sponsor. Great pricing. I can talk directly to the president. Silver and gold have a place in your asset allocation. If you don't believe that, that's fine. But... Uh, don't try to use Bitcoin to defend that. It, there's a place where I, I there's people like, I don't need it. I don't need silver. I got Bitcoin. It's like saying I don't need food. I have water. Uh, you need more than one thing. And Jam Bullion is the place to get your silver and gold. Another place we need to really shore things up in our lives, in my opinion, is with technology. Everything that we do online is recorded. Every piece of data that we store on somebody else's computer, they call that the cloud. It's, there's no cloud. There is no cloud. One more time. The cloud is a made up marketing fucking term. OK, there is no cloud. There is Google's computer, Amazon's computer, Twitter's computer, etc. And there is your computers, your drives. And if you store your data, your passwords, your information on the cloud, all that means is that all your information is on other people's computers. And you might think, well, you know, surely Google or Amazon, etc. has better security than I do. They probably do. But they also are a much bigger target than you are. If I want to find out, you know, Tom's password or Bill's password or Megan's passwords, like I only get so much in return for that. But if I break in to one of these other locations, I get millions of people's information. So they are much more a vector of attack. And by the way, if you're using Start9, everything's so hidden. Unless, you know, you got the CIA on your ass or something, no one's seeing it anyway. Plus, you could run your own Bitcoin node. And you can run your own lightning node and you can do a ton of other things. And if you can install apps on a smartphone, you can use Start9. It really is that easy. Anybody can do it, even me. Check them out today at Start9.com. Remember, JM Bullion and Start9 both do discounts for members of the MSB. 
So consider becoming a member today because just those discounts alone can more than pay for your membership. With that, let's dig into this. Let's dig into this. Let's start off with, again, I just want to say we are coming at this from a long-time preference macro look. One more time. If you want to know what I think the price of Bitcoin is going to be in February, I don't know. I don't pretend to know. I can do some technical analysis. I can look at things. I can make some projections. And I can get pretty close usually when I do that. But that's not what I'm doing today. Again, if you want to know what Shitcoin XYZ is going to do, go ask Shitcoin Channel BCD or whatever, because I don't do that. Okay? If you want to know what are the odds that the ETF is going to get done, I don't care. And by the end of this, my hope is that you don't either. If you want to know why we should have an ETF or why we shouldn't have an ETF, I don't care. And by the end of this, I hope you don't either. Because the reality is there will be or there will not be ETFs regardless of what any Bitcoin maxi thinks about it or any opinion they express about it or whatever Bitcoin X says about it or whatever Telegram channel XYZ says about it. It doesn't matter. These things are all happening. And we either believe in Bitcoin the way we have claimed to for years now, or we don't. And if we believe in Bitcoin the way we claim, immutable, uncensorable, etc., unstoppable, then we can stop freaking out about everything that everybody says or does, what Peter Schiff says or does, what Jamie Dimon says or does, what Michael Saylor says or does. Bitcoin is its own thing. And I've heard a lot of Maxis say something recently about the ETFs, and then we'll depart from that and we'll get on our ship. That I completely agree with. Bitcoin doesn't need the ETF. I completely agree. It's irrelevant to the discussion of whether or not it's going to happen. And we'll save more on the ETFs and other things that are current events toward the end. Because I want to get on the starship with you. And I want to start out with, I, I guess I need to explain what a generational starship is. And again, this comes from a science fiction fantasy world. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. Right. As far as the actual ship, I'm not saying that any any species anywhere has ever actually done this. I'm not saying it's practical. I'm saying this is a concept and the concept can be used as an analogy to understand what's going on and put us through a thought process by locking us in to this alternate reality and putting us in a long time horizon by requirement. OK, if you get on a ship and you know you're going to die on that. You know your kids are going to die on it. You know your grandchildren will die on it. You know your great-grandchildren will die on it. And maybe your great-great-great-great-grandchildren will be old people with their own kids and grandchildren that will step onto a new world. Right there, you have to have a long-time preference. You no longer have a choice. So I ask you, would you get on one? And what is one? What is it? Let's explain it the way that it comes from like a Star Trek novel that I'm reading right now or any other place that I've seen it, it's almost always the case that in these scenarios, the planet is dying that these people live on. A star is going to go Nova. They environmentally polluted themselves to death. Uh, they're attacked by some other entity. It, it doesn't matter. The planet is going to die. The, the, the civilization will go extinct. And even though this is a fantasy world of warp drive and everything, this particular civilization doesn't know any other civilizations. They're not in contact with any. And they don't have faster than light travel. They pretty much are at a technological level 
maybe a little more advanced or right about where we are in society today. So imagine science all looks, not science TM, real science, looks at our sun and goes, holy shit. We thought we had like another three and a half billion years. But this sucker's starting to go to the next level. It's going to become a red giant. And in just a few generations, it's going to swallow up and eat the earth. We're going to be incinerated. That's the kind of scenario this comes from. Okay? And so... The, 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 the civilization becomes united in the fact that the civilization should not be extinguished from existence. They'll have a Mars to go colonize. So they build a massive ship. They figure out how to, let's say, accelerate it at 1G so that, you know, it can get up to a certain speed and then you need a certain amount of fuel to stop at the other end. And they point it at a distant star system that they believe might have a habitable planet. And then everybody gets on it. And then there's a thousand different ways they claim these are designed. Some of them, they come up with these like pseudoscience things where like instead of accelerating at 1G to create gravity, basically you have a giant cylinder. The cylinder spins at a specific rate. And so people are walking using centrifugal force as a form of gravity, something like that. And then everybody gets on the ship. And then, you know, whatever disasters occur so that the author can write a novel around it because Hey, they were in space for 200 years and then they got there is a very boring story. Yeah. So the Enterprise comes along and interacts with them or some alien tries to kill them or the reactor is going to die. Their nuclear reactor is going to die, whatever it is. But that's the premise that we're using. Okay. Now. Let's look at it a little bit differently. What if it wasn't because the planet was dying? What if... um, Food Forest Farms said here somewhere, I don't know where it was. Now, I lost it. I lost whatever comment. Oh, Feminist Takeover. That's what it was. Feminist Takeover, right? So let's say that we just all got together and we said what I've said before. Stop the planet. I want to get off. We've just had enough. We've had enough. We don't want this anymore. We, We want the next frontier. And somehow a bunch of billionaires got together and, you know, sponsored it. And we built this giant ship and we decide as liberty seeking people, not necessarily Bitcoiners, liberty seeking people. Screw this. We're going to create a new planet built on liberty. We're going to get on the ship and we're going to go there. I know it's fanciful. It's okay. Trust me through this journey. And so we all get on the ship. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we just going to like, okay, we get on the ship, make some babies, float around in space till I die, knowing that maybe my great, 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 great grandkids will have a better life. Are we going to do something while we're there? Are we going to do something while we're on that ship? I would think that we have a lot of things we have to do and a lot of things we want to do. And in this analogy, I want you to remember, there is no generational starship. There is no locked up little anti-vacuum particle of space like a giant 757 flying through the the, the, the nearby uh, galaxy arm, taking us 80 light years away over 300 years. That doesn't actually exist. This is a metaphor. But on that ship, we would be forced to think the way we should be thinking on the ship that we're on called Earth. And we would have to use what we have. And one of the things we have on this planet, on this spaceship Earth right now, 
is a technology called Bitcoin. Keep that in mind as we go through. So first thing is, you know, you're not going to get to the destination. And I'm going to tell you something that a lot of you don't want to hear. You're not going to get to the fulfillment of what Bitcoin promises. You're not going to see it. This guy said, well, if we were on a Bitcoin standard, the way you like I'm on a Bitcoin standard in my life, as in my highest reserve value of my wealth is in Bitcoin. That's what I mean. Other people mean that they pay all their bills in Bitcoin because they want to virtue signal that. Okay, right. So the word means different things to different people. What he meant is the world's government will bend the knee. Bitcoin will be the currency of the world. That could happen. You'll die first. You'll die first. Now, if you're really, really young, maybe old enough to listen to this show, and that young, maybe, maybe, maybe there's an off chance, but it's more like your grandkids. This is seven-generational thinking. I don't just say that. That's not just a fancy term. That's not just some virtue signaling, greenwashing bullshit when I say it. I actually have looked at the evolution of history throughout as far as we can look back in recorded history, and I look at this and go, this takes time. This takes time for this to occur. So we're not going to see the Bitcoin standard the way those people mean it in our life. If you are my age, forget about it. Best case scenario, I got 50 years. It'd make me 101. I don't know if I want to be 101. So best case scenario, I live to be 100. I got 49 years. It's not going to happen. A lot of things are going to happen, and that's why we're doing this mental experiment today. But you did it because you cared about the future. If you only wanted short-term gratification, there were probably – that's why I didn't do the planet's going to end anyway. Because if the planet's going to blow up in 10 years, it makes a lot of sense. There would be a lot of fighting to get on the ship. But if we were in a, a civilization-ending moment, but we had 50 years and you're 50 years old, you might be like, you know, screw it. I'm going to stay here. It's easier. So the only reason that you would get on this ship is you're actually thinking about the next generation. That's why we did it for liberty. Because you ain't going to have liberty, are you? I'm going to put you and 10,000 other people on a tube going through space. We're going to be in a highly regulated environment, aren't we? You can't just breed your brains out in that environment, so there has to be a cap on population. Probably have to have, like, reproduction permits or something. There's a lot of things you can't do in that environment because everybody will die. So you're going to give up liberty now for freedom later. In our real spaceship, the liberty has been taken from you and we're trying to claw it back. But that's part of that journey, that seven-generation journey, you see? Right? Now, you have a life to live, things to do. You need joy and friendship, etc. in this time. So if I got on this ship, you know, I would want it to be as big as possible. I'd want it to have as much entertainment, much community. I would want to have spaces that people could have at least some limited. Like, this is my group of people and that's your group of people type. So at least you can get away from the people you don't want to be around. In fact, it would be mandatory that it be designed that way. Because if it wasn't, before they got to Jupiter, everybody would kill each other. And there's no light drive here, right? There's no warp factor 7 or 8 or 9 or whatever number they make up. There is only like, it's incredibly slow. 
So unless we create an environment on that ship where people can get away from each other, they're all going to fight each other and kill each other. And we're all going to need each other in that environment, just like we need each other here. But it's a lot easier to think we don't. See how the analogy works? But what are we going to have to do? And I would like to see some of you guys in the live stream right now start making your own list of this. What would we have to do? You and me and 9,999, you know, about 10,000 of us jump on the great ship TSPC, the TSP BTC ship, right? And we're heading off to Alpha Centauri because it's not a red dwarf like we think it is. It's a yellow sun like our own. And there's a planet four out instead of three out that looks great. And there's no signals coming from, there's no sentient life there. And we, we, we have a reasonable belief that when our great-great-grandchildren step on that planet, they'll be able to grow food and, and do all the things they need to do to build a new civilization. Right? Okay. What do we have to do to make sure they get there? Well, we have to not die. So start filling. I want to see it, guys. Come on. There's like 80. It's more than I thought. Like total combined sources. There's over 80 people here. Let's see it in the live stream. What do we have to do as the crew of this ship? To not die and to make sure the ship keeps going and to make sure that these people get to where we want them to be. And when they get there, they know what to fucking do. What do we have to do? Secure and self-custody. That is not what we're talking about right now, dude. We're on a starship. Nobody gives a shit about your self-custody on a starship. You're going to die. Right? So we use Bitcoin as our currency while we're in space. Great. Yay. We'll be. Okay. Now, what do we have to do? We have to protect the ship. That's real. Self-sustain. Yeah, but how do we do this? I'll give you the first one on my list. Educate. That's on my list. Thank you, Scott. O2, water, food. Yes. Ships maintenance. Now we're getting it. Sewage treatment, food, growing. Plant enough. Re the uh, uh, Undaunted says plant enough resources. Train people along the way. Develop paths. Look at this. My list is becoming. That's why I asked first before I started doing it. If you force yourself to think this way, doesn't it become really obvious straight away? So here's my list, some stuff we'll talk about as we go. And if I see some really good ones, maybe I'll highlight them and we'll add that to the list. We have to grow food. We're not going to, in this scenario, pack enough Mountain House, freeze-dried astronaut ice cream and tang into the ship. Absolutely. I'm going to highlight that one because I'm not sure I have it. Building homes. Right. We have to pack enough into the ship to get going. But we ain't going to sustain seven generations of 10,000 people on a stockpile. We have to grow food. Probably in this scenario, hydroponically would probably be the way to do it. And we have to grow food that typically we wouldn't grow that way, don't we? Because you need you need to live on carbohydrates in this environment. Ken Barry or me telling you anything we want to or not doesn't matter. You're not going to raise meat sufficient to feed 10,000 people in a tube going through space. So we're going to have to grow things like wheat and rye and potato and other carbohydrate-dense crops to get enough caloric yield. We're going to have to figure out the fat thing too, though, guys. You ain't going to be able to live on seed oils that long. Everybody will be dead by the time they get there. So we're going to have to figure some other things out one way or another. We got to crack growing food. K-Bonk says Tang, haha. Ha. The reason I bring Tang up when I was a little kid, I mean, a little goofy ass five year old kid watching Mr. Rogers. One of the first Mr. Rogers I ever remember, they brought astronauts on. They had moon rocks and shit. 
and I wanted to be an astronaut so bad. And my grandparents had this big lazy boy recliner. I'd sit in my lazy boy recliner, drink my tang and pretend I was an astronaut. Right. I, I'm not embarrassed to admit that I was a child once and I acted like a child back then. And so I, tang was like tang. And then we went to Cape Canaveral and I got to eat astronaut ice cream. So tang and astronaut ice cream is what I thought you would live on if you were an astronaut. And I was kind of okay with it at the time. Right. Yeah. You have to homestead in space. Don't we have to engineer the next generation of technology, though? Do you think that we would get this giant ship? It's floating through space. Wouldn't we have engineers, developers, technologists working to make everything better on the trip? You've got 200, 300 years to go. Think of how far technology has come in the last 300 years. I mean... I don't expect that we'll ever live in a world like Star Trek as humans. I don't just mean us. I mean humanity. I think warp drive is just a thing that to make the storyline work, they had to come up with something. So that's what they came up with. But in 300 years, we're into the time frame of actual Star Trek, you know, when they, when they projected this stuff happening. That's a long time. Don't we have to work on things? Don't we have to innovate? We have to do that right here on Spaceship Earth. We need to be innovating the next generation of technology, not just for Bitcoin, but for everything. We're going to get to a point where we can grow our own food faster, better, and more nutritious right here. It's a lot easier here than on the tube, isn't it? But we have to, we have to be engineering the next generation of technology. We have to maintain what we have. So if we build this giant tube. We have a nuclear reactor in it. And we have enough, you know, plutonium or uranium or thorium would be the, the better choice in this to get 1.75 times the distance we need to go. Everything should be good. No one needs to worry. Oh, that doesn't work. Shit needs maintaining. You're going to have to have some way that we're converting all this respirated CO2 back into oxygen. You only do so much with plants. That needs to be maintained. Little particles of dust hitting the, the hull of the ship across two, three hundred years, two, three centuries. Maintenance. We have to take care of what we have and build the next generation at the same time. That wouldn't stop. Not on something like we're talking about. If we're going to have the fantasy, let's go ahead all the way with it. We have a city flying through space at a percentage of the speed of light for two to three hundred years. We're going to have to engineer the less level attack, and we're going to also have to maintain what we have. That means we're going to have to care for and educate children. You know, unless in, in this scenario we develop something that keeps us from aging, which isn't going to happen, we're going to die. One day, we're going to lay in a bed, very much like on Earth probably. Or hopefully people that cared about us around us, we're going to look out at a dark sky at that point in our existence, some of us having been born there. Think about the first generation born into this. As you mature, your elders explain to you how you got here. And there is a place called Earth, and you're never going to see it. And we're going to this other place. It's going to be awesome. You're never going to see it. And then you're going to die in space. Well, if you don't educate that next generation, you're screwed. If we don't educate our next generation, we're screwed. And right now, the people educating our next generation do not have our best interest in heart. You see how much we're going to get out of this if we do this right? This little thought experiment. So we have to educate our children. 
We have to career train the young adults. I mean, everybody needs to learn, you know, math, science, logic, reason, the trivium, how to write, how to communicate. But that's going to happen. At some point, we need to start having people specialize in certain things. We need a lot of generalists in this environment, but we need some next generation knows how to work on that dadgone, you know, thorium reactor that everybody depends on. Hopefully there's two of them because two is one and one is none. And it's really effing none when you're halfway between here and Alpha Centauri. Yeah, it's really none when the one goes out. So we got to take care. So we need to not only train new generations up to functional adulthood, we need to then train them to be specialists in the area where we need them so they can take over long before we die when we're just too old to do it anymore. We need to do that right here. We need to ensure our navigation. We're going to point the ship at this place in space eight light years away. What's a fraction of one degree off course over eight light years. It's you might as well just accept that you're going to freeze to death in space in your eighth generation. That's what it is. So there has to be an ongoing monitoring of where we're headed and course correction along the way. But that's all very, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for people you'll never know. Again, I don't say seven generations to sound cool or like a hippie or like a permaculturist. I say it because it's real. I say it because it's true. It's about as far out as we can go in our minds before we lose it. And it just becomes something that we can't even connect ourselves to anymore, even though we are all connected throughout way more than seven generations through history. Yeah. We have to look out for threats. Somebody said we have to. We have to uh, defend the ship. I I agree. Just because we don't know of any other life forms doesn't mean once you're a tube floating in space that there aren't any that might not be more technologically advanced than you. But even if there aren't, there's a lot of like we call it inorganic threats. You know, one stray meteor makes a hole in your titanium hole and everybody dies. We have to have a means of defense. If we cannot defend the ship, we cannot look out for threats. If we're not aware that threats can and do come, we're not going to be able to deal with it. And if we're not actively looking for real threats, then what does the human mind do? And this is where all the FUD comes into Bitcoin, isn't it? If we're not actively looking and evaluating threats, determining whether they're real or not, and actively responding to the ones that are actually real and, and creating a a community that has enough confidence when we say this isn't a threat. Yeah, there's a, there's a meteor out there. It's going to miss us by a thousand kilometers. And there's lots of me. We don't need to worry about this one. If we're not actively doing that and building confidence in the community, then the minds of the community will create threats that don't exist. And responding to a threat that's not real is a really bad decision. It leads to very, very poor choices. It's the person that's near the edge of a cliff sees a garter snake 15 foot away, freaks out and falls down the cliff and dies. That's the mind not understanding threat evaluation and threat defense. So if it was a rattlesnake, 
with a laser beam on its head, but a poor targeting system 15 yards away, you still shouldn't do anything except just go back the way you came. But since you said, oh, my God, a snake, boom, now you're dead. You're Homer Simpson on the skateboard, boom, 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 splat. Unlike Homer, you don't get in the ambulance and go back down the hill again. You're dead because you were stupid because you were afraid of something that posed no threat to you. Like Jamie Dimon. Diamondback. He's a snake. Yeah, I'm not afraid of him. Don't give a shit. I know what Bitcoin is. So I, I do have to be alert for actual threats. But I need to not react to threats that are FUD. And the only way I can I can determine the FUD is to identify the actual threats or at least be on the alert for them. I need to have an economy. You think you have 10,000 people that are supposed to end up at a place and be liberty oriented and get there and do it? And the whole time you're there, you're under 100% of a socialist communist dictatorship? Like I said, this analogy there are certain things you're not allowed to do. I should be able to do whatever I want. Well, I think making a hole in that wall that will kill us all is something you're not allowed to do. You're going to have to have a rationing system for food. You're probably going to have a certain amount of food that everybody gets because we got to keep everybody alive. And then certain things beyond that, you're going to have to buy with some form of credit or Bitcoin or something. You're going to have to have people employed. People are going to have to have jobs to do. People do jobs because they need money. They need what the job provides. They don't do it just because they feel like it. The guy that has to scrub the space shitters is probably going to have to be paid pretty well to do it. And you're really going to have to pay the guy really well that's gone to school in space and knows he'll die there to maintain the thorium reactors. So what do we need? A functioning economy can never be made up only of employees of the state. No economy has ever functioned that way. For a long term, certainly not seven generations to get to a star. So you have to have three things. Employment, businesses, right? And that means you need entrepreneurs. You need all three of them. You'd have to have a marketplace. Just like, why do you think they have it in Star Trek? Because they're trying to make something realistic. Place where people have recreation. It's not free. There has to be, I mean, there is no place like space where the reality of there is no free lunch comes into play. That's why the moon of the heart's mistress is where that comes from. And in that, you had to buy your oxygen. But you're going to have to give up quite a bit of liberty, so you have to maintain an economy that gives some freedom, or this isn't going to work. And it's going to be up to the people there to maintain it, because instead of wanting things for free, or because it should be that way, they're going to, have to do things the right way for the right reason. And personal gain will not go away just because we've gone on this adventure together. Hmm, that sounds freaking familiar to me, to our current state on Spaceship Earth. We are going to have to have recreation, like I said. we You can't put people in a tube for their entire lives and say, hey, you know, sorry that you're Generation Zero. It sucks. Good luck. Your great, 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 great grandkids can play checkers someday. You're going to have to create kind of an environment for sports and activities and intellectual challenging. And like, you're going to have to create this. And that means having fun's important. That's why I put it on there. It's not just because it would have to work. 
right? It's not just because it would have to work. In other words, everybody would kill each other if they didn't have recreation. That, that's true. But we have to like live in joy in the moment now with a long-time preference at the same time. See, the the spaceship tube, right? He's a space shitter's full. Somebody's channeling some uh who said that? It's gone. Oh, there it is. Carlos, right? Space shitters. So he's channeling some uh, all time great uh, Christmas movies there. Right. But yeah, it, you know, the space shitter has to be emptied. And actually, the space shitter has to be recycled in this environment. You can't export anything into space in this environment. We have to deal with our waste as an asset and produce no waste for this to work. Sounds a lot like Spaceship Earth. Okay. But I'm putting recreation on there because we need it in our lives. When I say this is seventh generational speaking and your goal should be to spend little to none of your Bitcoin across time, especially anything that goes into the stack, because it's not for you. It's for the future. That doesn't mean you should live like a complete pauper your entire life or that you'll never spend any of it. If you do it right, odds are you can take some chunk of it for your retirement, live until you die happily and leave plenty for the next generations. I said generations with an S. But yeah, you're going to have to have that recreation. You're going to give up a lot, but you can't give up everything. Because you have to maintain a thirst for liberty in a very regimented society. Your children are going to be educated, even if you homeschool them by society at large, by everything from TikTok videos to whatever other propaganda that the state puts out there. You're on Spaceship Earth, and you're going to have to make sure that that generation who's not known life as free as you have maintains a thirst for liberty. Imagine the ship again. And it has to, a ship, anybody's ever served on a ship, whether it was in the military or even like private merchant marinos, a ship is a regimented thing because it has to be. You call it a she because you go into the inside of it to be protected from the elements. And if you do it right, you stay in the berth of the ship and it brings you home. It has to be regimented. So how do you do that where seven, eight generations out, when those first people step onto a planet, that they immediately begin to realize we have a lot more resources now. We can have a lot more freedom. Let's start figuring out how to exploit that in a way. But we still have a great society that we work together. Does that sound familiar? Bitcoin's the ship, in case you haven't figured it out yet. There's no giant tube in space. But Bitcoin's our ship. Bitcoin's what takes us there. And I want to shift into some current events right now. But I want to hit something else that spawned this discussion that I had planned for the end. And I see people right now talking about price and the price moving. You're not listening to me if you're talking about the price moving today. You're wasting your time if you're thinking about the price thinking today. You know when I buy Bitcoin? Today. Tomorrow. Yesterday. I buy Bitcoin all the time. What if it goes up real high? I buy about the same amount. What if it goes down really low? I buy more. That's that simple. This is why people are unsuccessful in Bitcoin, because the actual success formula is counterintuitive to everything you've been taught. It's Michael Saylor. I'm just going to buy more. How much? All of it I can. 
every piece of excess capital that I don't need to do something else with in the short term. I'm sweeping it in there. I wasn't going to use it for 10 years or more anyway. I don't care. Bye. It's gone. And the fact that it's in there means that I can't get weak and sell it because then I have, you know, soft hands and cabbage hands and diamond hands, baby. It's over there. So stop talking about the price. Just stop. It's not worth worrying about. But there is this meme in the maxi community. If we want Bitcoin to be successful, we need to spend Bitcoin. It's backwards ass thinking. No. If we want to build the society that we keep talking about, the citadels, the Bitcoin fixes this meme. All of that stuff can be real, but then we have to get out of that mindset. You don't spend Bitcoin to make it successful. You hold Bitcoin and you say to society, you want my Bitcoin. Build me fucking something worth my Bitcoin. Build me something that makes me say, you know what? Yeah, I'll go take 10,000 U.S. space credits worth of Bitcoin out of my stack and I'll give it to you for this thing. Every transaction you ever make in your life, you make a judgment call. I'd rather have the thing than the money. If it's a barter, I'd rather have thing B than thing A that I already own. I'm going to give this guy thing A. I get thing B. I feel Both parties need to feel that they have benefited in a transaction for it to be a voluntary transaction. Right? So tax doesn't work for this. That is, the government takes your shit. That's not a transaction. That's theft. No way around that. I've done the word entomology all the way around, and no matter how you try to spin it, tax is theft. It always has been. It's extortion. 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 Again, I've done the word entomology as a form of theft. You're just classifying the form of theft. If that makes you happy, go ahead and do it. But that's how we have to start thinking. If you, if society wants Bitcoin from the person who has been willing to get on the ship when no one else was willing to get on the ship, and you want part of my place on the ship, then you need to give me something of such lasting value. You want my Bitcoin for a house. I better look at that house and go, holy shit. They took today's technology and yesterday's building and put them together. And if I buy this house today, I'll never have to do anything to it for my whole life other than cut the grass, maybe. But the roof's not going to go. The walls aren't going to cave in. The floor's not going to need replacing. I'm not going to have to replace all the, ele- you know, all the electrical shit in, in, in 15 years. I'm not going to have to put a new air conditioner in. You're going to have to build me a house that I say, I'm willing to part with this that I know will be worth more tomorrow because this will do everything I need for housing forever. We're going to have to start building things the way we did under hard money. We have Roman roads. Roman roads. Built by Roman soldiers and slaves that are in better shape than roads we built in 1975, and that is a fact. Not all of them, but if there's one road we built in 1975 that's in worse shape than a road the Romans built in the year 300 AD, then we are not at a place where you can ask me for my Bitcoin and expect me to say yes. You're going to have to build me something. That is a lifetime purchase if I'm going to give you a lifetime asset for it. And this is how Bitcoin fixes this works. When there's enough value in Bitcoin that people want it who not just don't have it, but can't get it. 
21 million divided by the world, you get into a place where the concept of owning a quarter of a Bitcoin becomes a fantasy. It's impossible. You have to scratch for sats in that world. That's why the ETF thing's big. We'll get into it in a bit, but if I'll just put it this way. If every millionaire in the United States decided they wanted to own a third of a Bitcoin, a third, every mil, just millionaires, there's not enough. There's never been enough. Now there's even less. I don't think right now, if you do the math of what's available, it's actually trading. It's actually moving. It hasn't been locked up for years. There isn't enough for every millionaire in the United States to own a tenth. Now take that across the world. So that's that's where the ETF comes in as being important because it it magna it just speeds it up. It's stacking in time rather than just stacking in space to use permaculture t- terminology. But until society starts to build things in a way that have lasting value, then people that are holding lasting value won't trade. Doesn't that make sense? What could I give you? To make you give up Bitcoin that you don't need to spend. That you don't need. Now, a lot of you will do things like buy my membership and pay me in Bitcoin. But if you're doing what I teach, you're going to do something like make a deposit in the strike and send me $50 for a year and it becomes Bitcoin on the way. You're not going to dig into your long term cold storage stash, are you? You'll go buy it today and send it to me today in some way, shape or form. And by the way, exchanges, however they function, whether they're called exchanges or not, that implement lightning will be the only exchanges that are going to thrive going forward. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in the future. But the ETFs are coming, and if not, this round soon. So our favorite Bitcoin moron, Peter Schiff, who probably holds more Bitcoin than anybody listening to this, by the way. I'm just going to say it. I think this guy's full of shit. Like him and his son playing this good cop, bad cop thing. It's just a friggin' joke to me, right? But he came out recently. He said, yo, if these ETFs don't get passed, it could collapse Bitcoin. Yeah, add that to the 99 Bitcoins obituaries. Go ahead, right? If the Bitcoin ETF passes this month, not a great deal will happen. He also said this. If it does pass and it doesn't immediately skyrocket the price since it's been held up by the news of an ETF, Pete, you, you really have been around long enough to know that's bullshit. Um, then when it gets passed, it could. Coll- so either way, it could collapse Bitcoin. And, you know, and you know what else could happen? A giraffe could climb out of my ass right now, sit on my shoulder and just spark, start speaking in Vulcan since we're talking about space. When people use could, right, my comma experts say, shut up. I don't even want to hear from you anymore. But the, when the ETF passes, whether it's now, mid-spring, I don't care. When it does, there is no reason for anybody to freak out about it. This is some of the FUD I've heard. Well, do you know that they made changes to the ETFs and they're cash in, cash out, and you don't actually own any Bitcoin? That's how ETFs work, moron. That's how almost all ETFs work. A few years ago, there was some shit going on in the nickel market. And it was going to create a shortage in nickel. And so one of my little side trades, I bought quite a bit of a nickel ETF. I think it's NLK, I think is the, um, or NKL is the ticker on it. It's a while ago. 
but I bought, you know, I don't know, equivalent of like 10 tons of nickel in the ETF. And then exactly what I thought would happen. Nickel spiked. So I sold it. Right. And the main reason I did it the way I did is because it was IRA money. It was the only way to actually buy it. Kind of the point of this Bitcoin ETF. Do you think there was any scenario, whether it was in an IRA or not, where I was going to phone up the manager of the ETF and say, I would like 10 tons of nickel delivered to my front yard. That's not what ETFs are for. Unlike nickel, silver, gold, all these basket commodities and ETFs, though, the ETFs are auditable. It's not that I trust the SEC or the FTC or anybody else, but they're auditable. And this is what's going to happen. Once they approve an ETF, they might be able to tell a company XYZ, you're not ready yet. That's fine. But you will not be able to approve Grayscale and turn to BlackRock and say you don't know how to run an ETF. Okay? Not to mention that the people that do the approval are on the BlackRock payroll. Right? So you, you approve one, you approve eight. Eventually 10. Eventually 12. Eventually 20. Until all the giant corporations have one. And some have two. And then they all have to compete. What are you going to compete on? Our astute, savvy investors? Well, dumbass, all you're doing is buying one share for one share or one coin for one coin. So we don't care about your astute, uh, savvy investors. Your, your prospectus? Your giant pile of shit you send me in the mail every week that, or every year that nobody reads? Do we throw? No. What can you compete on in that environment? Transparency and price. That's it. But price is set by the market. Price is set by the market. Fees are set by the fund. So the only thing that they have to compete on is our fees are lower. This is all good, by the way. Our fees are lower. And here's a list of our addresses where we hold our Bitcoin. It's an asset you have as a fund if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. To disclose your addresses. They're secure. A Bitcoin address gets you nothing. I can get you a list of a million Bitcoin addresses tomorrow if you want them, some with billions of dollars on them. They don't do you any good. Without the key, you got nothing. And, and something like this, you're probably going to have a multi-sig scenario. Absolutely. Multiple custodians overseeing it. So transparency and price is all they have to compete on. And it's game over once this happens. Now, what I want to be clear about, I've said this for years, it's not game over the next day. If the I am predicting that some ETFs get approved between the 8th and 12th this month. Right? It's not a secret. It's not Jack Stradamus. It's, it's well known. If they don't, they don't. Let's say they do. I expect the price of Bitcoin to maybe do a big bump and then a drop, and then it'll just go on like it's been doing and part of its normal cycle. It will take until they become active and invested in for it to have the actual long-term effect. Sell the rumor and buy the news. Right. Buy the news or buy the rumor and sell the news is, is the rule in trading. And Bitcoin's going to be volatile. It's going to go up and down. And one thing that maxis need to understand is no one looks at Bitcoin the way that we do. Stop pretending that they ever are. There are people that all they want to do is make a shitload of money in fiat. It works for them. I don't have a problem with them. They're, they're free to do that. OK. And you have a four year cycle. We're in the middle of that cycle. Every time Bitcoin drops between 70 and 80 percent. And the next cycle, it goes up insane amounts. And then it drops again. You don't think people are going to play that long macro with trading? And you don't think there's some that are going to be like, well, every time it goes to a new all-time high and eventually pops, 
it drops. And before you go into crypto winter, it spikes again before it drops because it has every cycle go look. And they'll play that volatility. And that's you know less risk averse. You don't think there's people that are going to play the, the four week cycle that they see coming that they can do. That's always going to happen. You know, and, and this whole hatred of the ETF thing by the backseas is a lack of understanding or an intentional understanding. And I believe in many instances, it's attention whorism. Please pay attention to me. Max Kaiser, I love Max in some ways. He's become the biggest FUD spewing attention whore I've ever seen in December. Linking Senator Elizabeth Warren's bill trying to ban crypto to an ETF is retarded to the extreme. By the way, Senator Warren, since 2014, has never introduced a bill and had it pass. So when when someone who never passes bills introduces bills, I know what's going on. Look at the pretty girl while the magician pulls his bullshit. That's what's going on. Senator Warren plays her little fake Indian part. It is what it is. Um, Scott says that cycle may be over, Jack. I hope not. I don't think that cycle's over. What what I see happening with the macro cycle now, the four-year cycle, if you go look at tops and bottoms and you put it on a chart and you draw spheres around it, the first cycle's a big and the spheres shrink, meaning the tops and bottoms get tighter as volatility decreases. But what we think of as volatility in anything is going to be around for a long time. You're generation zero on the ship. I didn't even let you be generation one. You don't even count. Generation one is the people born into a world where it exists. That's why I said we're generation zero. Almost everybody that owns any Bitcoin right now was alive when there wasn't a Bitcoin. There's a few really, really young kids and their parents did it for them or whatever. And a few really enlightened young people like, Daddy, I want to get Bitcoin or whatever. But in general, you know, 99.9% of Bitcoiners right now, you were alive when there wasn't a Bitcoin. Most of us were alive when there wasn't an Internet. We're Generation Zero. The Internet natives of Bitcoin have yet to become Bitcoiners. All right. Um, the having is coming right in the middle of all this. This is going to be a supply shock. For those who aren't familiar with this, the best way to understand this is a scarce asset becomes more scarce. That's a simple way. So for all the talk of how scarce gold is, more gold is coming out of the ground in 2024 than came out of the ground in 1974. There might be less gold in reserve, but more gold is being produced. And if the price of gold quintuples and Peter Schiff starts dancing naked on his roof or some shit, do you know what's going to happen? Every method of gold extraction will become more aggressive and more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More more useful. I, I lost a word there for a second. Efficient. The, they will dig deeper, they will dig harder, they will become more efficient, and they will produce even more gold. Bitcoin can't do that. More mining of gold equals more gold. More mining of silver equals more silver. More mining of cobalt equals more cobalt. Until we actually extract enough. Bitcoin will go from producing 6 to, to 3.15, I think, is the next halving. 
So the amount of new Bitcoin available is going to be cut in half in a few months. Those that are new to this, this is not if. This is not an ETF thing. This is not if Gary Gensler convinces, you know, Janet Yellen to go along and get along and enough congressmen get bribed and the SEC does a thing and then everybody agrees and then the banks get involved and blah, blah, blah. And then maybe this happens. No, 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 my friends. No, this is going to happen because it's math. It's happened multiple times. And what's going to happen now is you've got more people competing for less coin. And then you get the ETF somewhere this year. I'll, I'll, I'll lay money on that. If not this month, soon. Opening up this wall of money. Now, there's another thing you have to understand about these ETFs. What did I say? They're going to have to compete. They're going to have to compete. So there is some institutional money that can access an ETF that can't directly buy Bitcoin. But it's fundamentally limited. The majority of this institutional money is actually institutional in that American Express Financial Advisory Services is a custodian of it. But Bill and Tom and Fred and Debbie and Susie and, Tom and, 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 and Eddie or whatever, they're the ones with the money. They're the ones with the 401k through their employer. They're the ones with the retirement pension because they're a teacher or a, 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 a firefighter or a cop. So what's going to happen is all these companies rolling out these ETFs, what makes them successful is money going into them and fees against it. They don't really care if it goes up or down. Up is a byproduct of success with Bitcoin, by the way. The more people that buy Bitcoin, the higher the price, period. It's, it's not J.P. Morgan stock. It's not General Electric stock. There's not a quadrillion shares. They can't issue more shares. They can't buy back their shares. It doesn't work that way. So they have to get access to the money that they've now created a vehicle for the money to go into. So what do they have to do? Think on that. I'm going to come back to that one. Think on that a minute. I want to see if anybody understands why this success formula will work. What are they going to do? What is American Express going to do, even if they don't own the ETF, but they want the ETF available to their customers? What are they going to do? What is BlackRock going to do? What is Grayscale going to do? What are all these companies going to do once the ETF is approved and they want Bill and Tom to be able to invest? What are they going to do? We'll put a stick in that for a second. And again, the cycle's repeating again, ETF or not. There was all these past cycles. There was no ETF. There was no ETF. They're going to market them, Tommy, but how? What are they going to, what work will they do for us? But again, again, this cycle, we are now going into another having, another four-year cycle, another, you know, crypto boom. We'll have another altcoin season. I think there's at least one more of those left for those of you that still want a shitcoin. It's, it's casino gambling. Go ahead. But we're going to have that ETF or not. If they come out tomorrow and say no ETF, everybody will cry for about 15 minutes. The maxis will beat their chest like King Kong and say it saved Bitcoin or some stupid shit. And in two months, no one will even remember it. Remember how important Elon was? Who gives a flying shit what Elon thinks about Bitcoin right now? 
Did he actually make Doge successful or did he create a spike in it because you failed the intelligence test and bought it? And somebody like me went, oh, I see what's going on here. And went, you know what? I got twenty five hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin right now that I was about to put in cold storage. Yeah. Wall Street Silver says or whatever. They're going to pump Doge. OK, I'm going to buy Doge. It doubled. I sold it. It's gone to Bitcoin and out. That was worth risking. And I took your money. And people like me that are a lot less risk adverse than me took a lot more of your money because I don't do that very often. But here, normalize it, change the narrative to their liking, et cetera. No, you're missing it, guys. Once these Bitcoin ETFs are available, they're going to push all their henchmen. You know that guy that comes to your work once a year and gets you to sign up for the 401k if you haven't already done it? That guy? You know the one that Karen and HR introduces to you once a year, once every other year that comes and talks to you about your benefits and how investing and says if you put your money 10% till you're 95 years old, you'll be able to retire till you're 100. That guy. All those people are going to be unleashed to get these ETFs into all these different 401k programs. They'll do the work for us. Now, I think it's good if Tommy and Billy and Susie and, and Debbie, once this passes, they all go to Karen and HR and go, Karen, we waited a long time for this, Karen. Get the henchman on the phone, Karen. Why don't we have the ETF in our investment options, Karen? I think that's a good thing. But I don't think it has to happen. It might take a year. But they're going to push it from the other side. They're going to push it in. Just like they took things away. Back when I was still running companies, we had a 401k, Roth option or conventional option for our employees. And when I initially brought it in for the employees, it had a cash value option in it, basically a money market account. One day, it disappeared. And I was like, what the hell? Phoned up our henchmen. Oh, you know, and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. We've replaced it with a bond fund. Okay, so you're fired. Well, you can't just fire me. No, but I can get somebody to replace you in the next open enrollment. And we did that. And it didn't last long till that one lost it, too. And they just took all of that out and they forced all the money into government bonds because that was the marching orders. Once they have this, the only way they can compete, price, transparency, and the last one, this is the important one, availability. So, BlackRock's going to want the BlackRock ETF available to people who have a 401k oversaw by American Express Financial Advisors. So they're going to push. They're going to go make the deal with American Express. You see? But Grayscale's going to be like, hey, what about us? And, you know, Joe Blow ETF, what about us? They're all going to fight to become an option on the balance sheet. For these 401ks. Yeah. Things like ETFs also, guys, they have to happen if Bitcoin is really seen as what it is. Hard money. I find it preposterous that a maxi will every third breath. Like I'm talking about the people that all they do is podcast about Bitcoin or write about Bitcoin. Every third breath. It's the hardest money ever invented. Oh, my God. Don't make an ETF out of it. How stupid do you sound? If Bitcoin actually is what it is and society begins to see it for what it is, then anything that's ever been done with money or assets will also be done with Bitcoin. 
you can get an ETF that invests in cobalt. You can get an ETF that invests in elder care. Did you know that? There's an ETF, actually there's several of them, that they buy stock and they invest in things around elder and memory care. You can get an ETF that it won't be called the diabetes ETF, but it'll be the diabetes ETF. Specifically, invests in medical technology in the dialysis sector. Yeah, that's a diabetes ETF. If nobody's told you that, that's what it is. Why wouldn't there be one for Bitcoin? If Bitcoin is the hardest money ever invented, and most maxis, if you push them and say, if there wasn't crypto, if there wasn't Bitcoin, if this didn't exist, what would be the next hardest asset a person could hold would tell you gold. And then they would be, begin to make a very good case that I would agree with almost a thousand percent as to why Bitcoin's superior to gold. I'm, I, I, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, what is the hardest asset one step below Bitcoin? And you said gold. Okay, so then anything that we've done with gold, other than build rings out of it, will be done with Bitcoin too. Reserve currencies of nations will happen in time. But we didn't go from, hey, I have a bag of meat and you have a flint blade, to gold in reserve of my tribe overnight. It took time. It's going to take time again, and it might happen faster than it did the first time. I don't remember, Scott, when the gold ETS started, but I bet you there was a lot of fun about it. I really do. I really do. Um, lightning and other tech will continue to evolve, and we have to continue to evolve. I will tell you that the primary voices against things like lightning and fediments and stuff like that are shitcoiners. This is where I'm going to like stop picking on maxis for a minute. And I'm a maxi, so I'm picking on my own here, right? And I think that's important that we call our own community out. But this whole idea like, you're not really holding Bitcoin if you're using Lightning. Well, it's my checking account, so shut up. Because that same person has a bank account, I guarantee you. The same person that says it's not full safe custody, that shilling like BSV or BCH or some stupid shit. Craig writes the real – that person, they don't run a node. They don't run a node. I mean, we can look and see how many nodes there are on the BSV network. Not many. But we, we, you know they don't because you know that there's more of them than there are nodes. They're full of shit. There's different places for any asset class to exist. The vast majority of your holdings, I 100% agree, should be in cold storage that you completely control, that the government can't touch, that nobody can touch. Well, I can't believe you would ever advocate an ETF. I'm not advocating anything. I'm telling you it's a, it's a done deal that is going to happen. You might as well accept that which will occur. If a storm is fucking coming and you pull up your radar, right, and the weatherman's like, here's a giant fuchsia-colored cloud full of shit coming for your house. Here's the, the cone that the storm is in. And your house is in the center of that cone. You got 15 minutes before the roof comes off your house. You don't sit there and go, you're just a shill for the big weather. You take cover. Because even though you're not advocating, and neither is the weatherman. He's not advocating the tornado. He's telling you there's a 
Bring a tornado there, dumbass. Hide. ETF is coming. Yeah, Tommy D says 34 trillion is today's weather. It's certainly a climatic event within the weather cycle. That's for damn sure, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. But yeah. Um, but the lightning stuff, the fediments, all of it, there's a place for all of it. There will be the opportunity, I think, in fairly close terms of time for a lot of people to be paid in Bitcoin if they want to be. The problem with that right now is unless you move to El Salvador, it's an accounting nightmare. Now, I think more and more small countries will take and follow the El Salvadoran lead because it's really starting to pay off for El Salvador. Right. For all the talk of Bukele screwed up and everybody's poor and like it's all bullshit. And it always was just like Miley. They're bullshitting about him right now. There's protests. They show the same fat 14 people five times that lost their jobs protesting. And they make it like there's a million people in the streets, right? While he's getting on coach class on an airplane and being cheered by the whole plane, right? Okay, sure, right? But, yeah, um, we're going to need all these different asset classes. And if you go to El Salvador right now where they're using Bitcoin, it's all moving <clears throat> as lightning payments. There's nothing wrong with that. They say, if you want to run your own lightning node, do it. I do have some Q&A. Star, there's a question about Wallace Satoshi. I'm going to talk about that and some other things at the very end. Um, attacks are going to come just like the ship has to be worried not just that some alien beings that look like insects are going to come and get you but you know again the debris from space the erosion of time whatever in that tube there would be attacks that would come but if we were in that tube what we should be doing is saying, hey, we're all smart enough people to have gotten on the ship in the first place. First, we had to be willing to do it. And then we had to like, I'm sure there would be competition to get on the ship. And you couldn't be a simpleton and get on the ship. You'd have to have something that you would contribute so the rest of the crew would accept you. There would be no sponges on the ship. And so since we're smart people, we have all these engineers that got on the ship. All these developers, all these technologists that got on the ship, all these scientists that made it, made the cut. You need to be working on making the shield stronger. Bitcoin is the ship, and in this case, the ship makes its own shield stronger. The people that are still saying it's going to go to zero are so beyond delusional that they are not even like. Let's go back to the ship analogy. The ship is leaving Earth. For the first few weeks, you can have almost a two way bidirectional conversation with your loved ones that you're leaving behind. Bye, Timmy. Bye, Tommy. Daddy's leaving. Daddy's going. Another. I'm sorry. You don't want to come. Bye bye. Not too long into that journey. It's like sending a letter in snail mail. A couple weeks to get there, a couple weeks to get back. A lot of things have gone on. As you're leaving our soul system, heading out past the Oort cloud, the communications are just interesting byproducts. What somebody says on earth doesn't matter anymore to you. Maybe an emotional connection or something, but like we've passed a new law that says oh, that's nice. Everybody has to put a mask on. Like, can you imagine being on the ship and you're out past the Oort cloud and a new scandemic comes and they issue a masking and vaccination order and they send it to you 
and it takes eight weeks to get to you, what everybody's going to say, what, hey, guys, guess what? The people on Earth, yeah, they just sent us a thing. Here's what it says. You all have to put masks on. And they are sending a pod. We're supposed to wait for it with with jabs on it for us. And we have to. You wouldn't care. This is how. And you are going. Look, I'm going to say this and I'm going to sound very, very mean. Very, very mean when I say this to you, Legacy Studio. He says the volatility kills it for me. I can't do it to each their own, though. I bet you're invested in all kinds of volatile shit. Either you're poor and that mindset will keep you poor. Or you have a 401k, IRA, et cetera, and that fucking price does this all the time in there, and somehow you're okay with it. So your time frame is so short that you are that transmitter telling us to put a mask on, and we're past the work cloud. That's your choice to make a stupid decision on money that you're worried about being volatile, that all you've done is made yourself more poor over the years because you've been around a while. Sorry, bro. That's the case. That's the case. The volatility, the volatility is a feature, not a bug. The expense is a feature, not a bug. We'll get there. But yeah. In fact, that's my next one. There you go, dude. Next, I'm, I'm reading literally my next bullet point. Volatility and cost of transactions are features, not bugs. The volatility is designed into the system. If you read the original white paper from 15 years ago, this is Genesis Day, by the way. Why wasn't the first one back a Bitcoin breakout? Why was it Nicole and John? Well, it was first Tuesday. But even if it hadn't been, it wouldn't have been. This is Genesis Day. 15 years ago, the Genesis block. And there it is. See, that is that is the difference between... Um, Legacy Studio and Derek. Derek says, how is it volatile? It's continued to go up since inception. When in doubt, zoom out. The volatility plays an extensive role in a couple things. One, it attracts people who otherwise wouldn't be attracted, who see the opportunity. Because if it's not volatile, why would I, why would I be interested in it right now? If I'm thinking long term. If all it did was stay $1, I would just hold a dollar. The up and down is you can't go up forever without dips. It's impossible. So it brings in the kind of person you want on the ship. And it keeps out people who are going to wait for it to get better, which is good because it gives the people that get on the ship first the opportunity to establish their beachhead. So all you're doing is hurting yourself. That's okay. You're allowed to. But the cost is another thing. The cost of transactions is what drives the innovation of things like lightning. Because until we get there, there's no point to this. Everything in the world is volatile. Every price of everything. You want to see what's volatile. The United States dollar is extremely volatile. It goes in one direction. Down. The value of the dollar has gone down and nothing but down 100% of the time across a hundred plus years now. Bitcoin has no top. I know when you say that, people are like, that's crazy talk. Oh, bullshit. 
as long as we're pricing it in dollars, Bitcoin has no top because the U.S. dollar has no bottom legacy. You're holding the most volatile piece of shit currency that's ever been created in the history of mankind. It is more dangerous than currencies like the Lebanon currency that's in catastrophic failure or the Argentinian peso. The dollar's worse. Why? Because the dollar has the illusion of safety. That's why. I mean, if you're holding Argentine pesos, you know you're holding toilet paper. So here, here's from, coming from the snake world. He plans to invest in a silver IRA. Have fun saying poor. That's, that's a late, you, you got a great name, dude. Legacy asset, legacy studio. Anyway, uh, silver is useful, but it is a one piece in the puzzle. Anyway, um, there's a thing in, in, in the world of snakes, reptiles, herpetology. And that is like to know whether a snake is venomous or not in the United States. And the thing is, it only works if it's a snake that actually is here on its own, not something that escaped from some exotic collector's thing. And it's basically there are three venomous vipers in the United States. There's different uh, subspecies of them, but you have the water moccasin, you have the rattlesnake, right? You have the copperhead. If it's not one of those and it's not a coral snake, it's not poisonous or venomous is the right term. OK, so if I'm in the woods and I can look at a snake, especially if I'm like out in the woods, not like somewhere in a neighborhood where, you know, viper keeper down the road might have let his fertilance get out. And I look at that snake and I go, that ain't a rattlesnake. That ain't a copperhead. Yeah, that's not a, a cottonmouth moccasin. It's only one other thing it could be and be venomous if it's native to the United States of America, a coral snake. Red on black. Good for Jack. Red on yellow, kill a fellow. It rhymes, it must be true. It is. So you go to Central America, where they totally have co uh, co elephant, which is the cobra species, or the cobra family, is what a coral snake's in. Very, very toxic, neurotoxic venom. They totally have coral snakes in Central and South America, where red touches black and it still kills your ass. And so that mnemonic is dangerous misapplied. This is why the dollar is so dangerous. This is stupid. Dude, I'm going to talk to you one more time and then I'm going to ignore you for the rest of this subject because what you're saying is so stupid and I'm sorry, but it is that I have to say something. So anybody reading it doesn't get sucked into your stupid black hole. You just created. He said, I could put $200 in Bitcoin a day and it's gone in one day. That is stupid. I, I am not even going to answer that until you explain that with mathematics to me. And you better use math because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If you buy Bitcoin today, $200 worth of Bitcoin today, and Bitcoin's at $40,000, and it goes to $30,000 tomorrow, how much money do you have before you say it's gone? And I'm just done. Like, I can't. I don't know why. Why are you here? Why are you anybody like this? I, I'm not picking on you, but what? Why are you here if you're vehemently opposed to everything we're talking about today? Did somebody put you up to it? Are you trying to convince yourself? Yeah, Scott's got it for you, one hundred fifty dollars. 
So the only way that you can put $200 in Bitcoin today and have it be gone tomorrow is for Bitcoin to go to zero. And that's a stupid statement that it's going to. Okay. It is safer today. The shields are stronger today than they, I'm getting derailed. Let's, let's stick with it. Um, you're not late. That's the other thing. I'm late. I'm late. Yeah. TM permaculture. I bought it at 60 K and I still have it. I bought some at 60 K. I bought some at $60. The only way to do this is to always be buying and never be selling or to be a really good trader with some portion of your, of your portfolio. I'm not a trader, right? I just, that's not what I do. I'm seventh generational thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to stay out of this. I, I, yeah. You're not going to be financially independent. Um, you're not late. The ship's not really built in our analogy. I said Bitcoin's the ship. And it is. But in our analogy, you've already got a seat on the ship. But the ship is in space dock. It's not even fully enclosed yet. That's how early it is. And unlike our fictitious starship, there's no limit to how many people can get on. There is a real estate question on the ship, though. Like, you're not getting a captain's suite on the ship anymore. Unless you're Michael Saylor and you can really, really afford to buy it from somebody else who already has a portion of the captain's suite. You get a little bitty porthole to look out of. You know, think of it like a cruise ship. Think of it like a cruise ship. You want to get on a cruise ship. There's a price. There's a lot of shit included on the price. But there's a lot of different prices. And the cheapest ticket will be inside the berth of the ship. So you go in your little cabin. You get to walk around all the common areas of the ship all you want. But your little cabin that you actually live in, a real small room with no windows. That costs a certain amount of money. You can get a little bit bigger of a room. You have a little porthole. You look out. You can see the water. You see another ship go by. Yay. Hey, leave those people over there. Let's wave at them. Yeah. Spend a little bit more money. Get a little bigger room. There's a door where the porthole was. A little bitty terrace. Go out and pretend you're in the Titanic. I'm the king of the world, right? A little bit more money. Get a little bit nicer of a room. A little bit bigger of a room. More of a suite. Maybe it's got two rooms to it. And it's got a terrace that you can actually put a couple little chairs on. The first terrace, you kind of like, you open it up. It's kind of like a thing. But the, if you're sitting in a chair, you're still in your room. Now you can go out on the terrace. And for a lot of money, you can get basically the penthouse of the cruise ship. You think it's an apartment. And you got a balcony out there. Well, not so long ago, anybody could have bought that suite on the Bitcoin ship. Unless you're a billionaire, that's gone. But there's lots of room on this ship. You're not too late. We are generation zero. Until we have investors that have significant holdings in Bitcoin that were not born when Bitcoin was invented in significant numbers, we haven't gotten to generation one. We're still on generation zero. And if you can't think that way, you're not ready for the ship yet. That's okay. That just makes the real estate we're buying cheaper for us 
while you wait until it starts raining again on the ark. That's all. You can cry or you can buy, but it isn't going to zero. Even J.P. Morgan is bending the knee. Just kind of lining up with our conversation here with one person in the live chat. That's I didn't make that up to respond to you. That's that's again, that's my next bullet. You can cry or you can buy. That's it. You can sit here and shout and yell. And this is something I don't think anybody's figured out yet. Those of us who already have a seat on the ship, we're just trying to make our cabin better. There's nothing you can say now. We see the ship. We're watching it being built. We're counting down the days till we can get inside it and leave you behind. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean that's reality. No Peter Schiff statement. No statement from any government agency. No Elizabeth Warren FUD. No one can say anything that we care to hear anymore. We're past the orc. In fact, we, in the analogy, we are on the ship. We are innovating. We are educating our youth. We are training the next generation of Bitcoiners. And you are an eight-week delay between what you say and us hearing it, and you have no effect on us. And this is why Bitcoin has become indestructible. Because there's so many people like that. Now, again, I, I, I put to task so many maxis that expect everybody to be like that. They're not going to be. You're a pioneer. You got on the ship. Shut up and pull the arrows out of your back. Put some, uh, dump some moonshine on the arrow that stuck you in the ass so you don't get infected and keep going. But don't expect everybody to become a pioneer because you were one. They're not ready yet. They're still like legacy. They're still getting ready to set up a, a silver IRA. They're getting ready to do it. Toolbox fallacy of some kind of crap. You're either going to do it or you're not. But you can cry or you can buy. That's it. And if you cry, we're not listening to you anymore. We're too busy. And this is why even Jamie Dimon has bent the knee. There's that. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon. So Jamie Dimon, in December, went in front of the United States Senate and advocated for banning crypto. This is just poetically beautiful. Guess who one of the banks is going to be in the ETF arrangement for one of the ETFs? You can't make this up. J.B. Morgan. So while he, he this is like Prescott Bush selling freaking uh Jet fuel additives through IG Farben to the Nazis while his own son was a fighter pilot. That's Bush Sr. in World War II. You say, well, I'm all pro-America. Hey, Nazis, here's some, like, really? Trading with the enemies, and you got away with it. Because rich people always get away with this shit. So while he's out there fanning the fake freaking smoke signals of, of Senator Pocahontas Warren, right, his bank is setting up to enable the very thing he claims he's against. Why? Because every knee shall bow. And I know people get really tweaked about that because that's the Bible and whatever. It is what it is. Truth is truth no matter what it's applied to if it stays truth. Okay? You have an asset class that is indestructible, and there are so many people whose hands are not even diamond. They're now like titanium-encrusted diamond. Like, you're not getting people to let go of it. It's not happening. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can pass laws. 
You can shriek, you can scream, you can holler, you can hang from the trees, you can scream it's treason, you could say, I believe in the U.S. dollar and pretend you're Donald Trump, and then you still have ETFs just shilling on the side and losing money in Ethereum. You can do anything you want, but you can't stop this. So there's a point where the most low-life scum banker society we have ever had in the existence of humanity goes, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Make something of it. And they, the reason it's taken them so long is they know this is a one-way thing. This is a pin out of a grenade, and there is no retention spring on the, on, on the spoon. And the hand isn't on the spoon. When you pull the pin, better get that shit out of your hand, and it's going off. And it might have a long fuse. Like I said, don't expect, don't expect if they pass the ETF for Bitcoin to be a million dollars in two months. Don't expect that. If you do, you're living in as fantasy a world as legacy is that thinks it's going to zero because he bought $200 worth of it. It's just, it's stupid, right? Stupid thinking can be positive or negative. They're both stupid. Not going to happen. And there'll be people that think it, and they'll buy a bunch of it, they'll put it on their credit card, and they'll lose their ass. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Someday, into the future, Bitcoin will have hit a new super high, and it will come down. And I'll do one of these shows, and people will come on and go, what are you going to do now? I'm going to say the same thing I said over and over and over since 2013 for me, buy more Bitcoin. And some point, you'll actually believe me. And then you need to realize how many of me there are. There's billionaire me's, there's well-off me's like me, and there's poor me's. And they all have one thing in common. I'm not giving this up. I have to, like, need a heart transplant before I'll give this up. And so once you're there, dude, you can't say anything anymore. You're done. You're not interesting. You say the same guy that won't buy it because it might go to zero says buy when there's blood in the street. You mean nothing. Your, your, your statement means stop deluding yourself. Take some time to yourself and figure things out because either you're risk adverse or you're not. You can't be both anyway. Um, and it's OK to be risk adverse. I'm not saying as hardened Bitcoiners, we have to stop crying as a group. The maxis have made me sick in the last six months with this ETF shit. The amount of FUD people I really respect are spewing is so dumb. Either you believe what you've been saying, which I do, clearly, or you don't. If it's uncensorable, right? If it's immutable, if you really have iron hands, you don't care if there's an ETF or if there isn't. You don't care if Debbie puts her 401k into a Bitcoin ETF or not. You don't care. It's irrelevant to the long term. Like, it is a, an interesting thing that happens on the journey. It's a logical thing that happens sooner or later. If it happens now, great. We move a little faster. If it happens later, we move a little slower. I don't care. We're heading off of Centauri. I got shit to do. I have a business to build. I have children to teach. I have grandchildren to teach. I have people to mentor. I have the next generation to think about and the generation after that. And then I'm going to grow old and I'm going to die in the ship. And I'm going to smile when I do, hopefully. You either can think that way or you can't. But you can't pretend to think that way and then start shrieking that Elizabeth Warren, who's never accomplished anything in her life, 
is going to destroy something that you've spent the last five years or 10 years or more telling people was indestructible. You can't be both things. Man up, Maxis. Quit being a bunch of little bitches. Quit being, you know what? I have way more respect, even though I picked on him here, for Legacy Studio than I do for the Maxis who talk smack like that and then cry, BlackRock's going to buy all the Bitcoin or some stupid shit like that. I don't care if BlackRock buys every single Satoshi available on the planet that's not in cold storage. Good. Good. I have mine. It's people like Legacy that will get screwed if that happens. Uh, People like Legacy will get screwed when that happens. They'll go, man, you're lucky. I wish I would have known. Okay. But Maxis, quit being a little bitch, boys. Really. And it is, man. It's it's sad. And it's not all of them. But it's some really big names. And I think part of it is, unlike me, they don't have anything else. They need something to talk about. So I do Bitcoin breakouts. For a while, it was once a week. Then we took a break from it. We're in the middle of crypto winter. I told you over and over, this is the bo- I mean, I, I called the bottom, didn't I, guys? Didn't I? Didn't I come on and tell you like a week after it hit? This is the bottom. This is the trough by now. Go to the BitcoinBreakout.com. Go back to about the period of time that Bitcoin hit about 14,000, 15,000 in the last cycle. Look for the episodes around there, and I guarantee you you'll find the more I said. This is it. This is the bottom. This is the accumulation trough by now. So you did know. You did know. And it wasn't like, I think this is the bottom either. Because it's math. I went, this is it. Here it is. Right now, this is the time. But you'll still say it. I wish I would have known, man. No, you don't. Because you wouldn't have. And most people that say this, most people that are out there going, well, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. The real reality is they don't have any money. They don't have any money. They're invested in nothing. They're invested in nothing. Now, a lot of them have nothing, but they do have a 401k. I'm just saying. That's where part of this goes. I got some at that 14.8, TN Permaculture says. Yep. So Mike remembers. Mike remembers the accumulation trough. That was a term that I believe I coined this last cycle. This is the accumulation trough. It's always time to accumulate. But the trough, baby, the trough is where you feed like a pig, right? You feed like a pig. Pigs get fed. Hogs get slaughtered. Not in this world. Eat as, eat as, when you get in that accumulation drop, you gobble up as much as you can get. We're, we're, this might be where we're at right now. Might be somewhere around the next accumulation trough. There's no real way to know. How high we go will determine how far we can fall. Just how it works. Um, but yeah, Harden Bitcoiner, stop crying. And I, I, again, I want to hit this one more time before we, we close up. People will, those maxis that are out there screaming, we need to spend our Bitcoin. No, we don't. No, we don't. Society needs to earn it. Society needs to earn it. Now, I'll tell you, there's, there's two, there's two times that people will spend Bitcoin the way these people mean it. Now, let's clear out the other time. Like I said, if you are, you're sitting on a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, turns out you need a heart transplant. And you need $200,000 or you're going to die. You'll probably sell $200,000 worth of Bitcoin. Okay. So there's always, no matter what it is, if you have a thing of value, there are people who, because circumstances in life change, will divest of the thing of value that they never wanted to. 
You also have people, and you know, we're about to have, we're going to go through a period of time pretty soon where there's going to be a lot of people die that have a lot of Bitcoin. It's going to get inherited by people that never did the work. And inheritance is always blown by most people if they are not brought up on the ship. That's why you got to teach your children well, like the song goes. Because if you don't, when you die, they're going to piss away your spot on the ship. So there are ways, I'm not talking, when I say spent, I mean that in general, people will in general spend Bitcoin on a regular basis. Two ways that happens. Yeah. One is that we get to something approaching a Bitcoin standard where accounting practices can be done in Bitcoin, meaning that when I earn Bitcoin and spend Bitcoin, there's no tax implication to that. El Salvador becomes a standard in more than one place. So that employers are paying in Bitcoin, and if all you earned was Bitcoin, then you have to eat, you have to house yourself, etc. Then you would spend Bitcoin. Yeah, that's one way. That is way past the Oort cloud. You, you're, we're already like in the view screen, seeing our new home. In my opinion, before that happens, okay. So the only other way is that those of us that own this incredible asset. You put something in front of us and we go, man, that is valuable. Until we until Bitcoin fixes this actually means something. And right now it's just a promise. It doesn't mean anything yet. It doesn't mean anything because it hasn't happened yet. Until that happens, we're not spending it. Put it a different way. Let's say you had five million dollars worth of Bitcoin right now. Five million. And you didn't need it. You didn't need it. You had plenty of other forms of money. But you didn't have enough cash or liquid asset available to buy a house. But somebody shows you a house. And it was built with the latest and greatest technology. And you know if you bought that house, you wouldn't have an electric bill for the rest of your life. The maintenance on it would be a pittance compared to any other way that you would live. Had a hundred acres of land completely fenced off from society. And everything was perfect and built with a hundred year life expectancy. And it was a million dollars. You might very well sacrifice 20% of your Bitcoin to buy that house. But you probably wouldn't pay $500,000 for a stick and brick piece of shit in a suburb, would you? Why? Because one has such long-term representative value to you that you're willing to take some portion of one asset class and convert it to another. This is why when you walk through New York City, you see these big, giant, modern skyscrapers that cost a massive fuck ton of money to just keep from falling down. And the day there wasn't a tenant in them, bankruptcy would overtake everything. And in a hundred years, trees would be growing and the skyscraper would be consumed by a forest. Yet you walk through certain parts of New York City and you see a chapel or a church. And you look at it, you go, oh my God, what a work of art. What a work of art. And that building with a fraction of the maintenance of these office buildings is 150 years old now. 
and it hasn't budged. And the work on it, the sculpting on the outside, I'm thinking of one church in particular, that like it's sculpted into the marble that is the outside of this building. Dudes were up on freaking little, uh, uh, what do you call them? That go up and down, uh, whatever they're called, like the window washers use, right? Those things, uh, uh, scaffolds with chisels for weeks and months to do one piece of this building. What was the currency when that building was built? Was it fiat dollars or was it hard money? It was gold. That Roman road that's in better shape than the road in your neighborhood that was built in 1975. Even though it's bad, it's still better shaped than the road in your neighborhood. What was the currency when that road was built? That's what Bitcoin fixes this means, in case nobody told you. When you have an asset that's so valuable that the only way you can make somebody spend it is to build something extremely valuable to exchange it for. Well, then you get a society that's built on the rock. Instead of the sand. And the clay. We have a fiat society because we have a fiat currency. I, I know that seems oversimplified, but it's not. It's not. We have fiat food. In other words, we have stuff that people eat today that isn't food. It was made food by fiat. Government passed regulations and they wrapped it in a pretty package. And they did some chemical analysis and they added sugar and fat to the bliss point. So you would eat it and become addicted to it. And they made you as a society fat as pigs. They've done it so successfully that there's more dialysis clinics in, in a major city today than our subway restaurants. And that's only a little bit of an exaggeration, by the way. There's three kidney dialysis clinics between me and Fort Worth. It's a 25 minute drive in traffic. There's three on one road between here and Fort Worth. Three fiat food because we have a fiat currency. You eat seed oils. This is fiat fat. What world is there that it makes sense? We're going to take a shitty approximation of a wild mustard called rapeseed, change the name to canola, go through this massive industrial process. The first oil that comes out of it is so shitty. If you put it in a car, the car will explode. If you ate it the way it comes out of the plant, it would kill you. But after we put it through all this processing, it comes in a nice bottle with a label on it, and you fry a potato in it that's been genetically engineered. That's fiat food. We have fiat education. Where do you go and people take two or three annual salaries and pour it into an education and come out of an educational system and give you with a straight face the story, a man can have a baby? A man can have a period. It's okay for a man to pretend a woman, he's a woman, and compete in women's sports and beat the shit out of a woman in a combat sport. That's okay. And they're educated. You only get that in a fiat education system. It's only education because they made it by fiat. Don't you understand that? Don't you get that? No one from 50 years ago would look at the people that come out of these institutions that and refer to them as educated. But we even do it when we know it's bullshit. Fiat money, fiat society. Our cars are shit. Our housing is shit. It's all garbage. 
It's all crap. Who spends a half a million dollars to buy a house that's brand new and in 10 years knows that most of the most important parts of it are going to need repair in only 10 to 10 to 15 years? Air conditioning systems today, 10 to 15 years. Roofs, 10 to 15 years. Foundations, depends on where you live. There are beams under the floor of my father's house that was built in the 1880s that you can't get a nail into. I mean, you literally, you cannot do it. I was sent down to the cellar to put some nails in one time when I was a teenager because we shot an extra deer. We only had a place to hang three deer. We had to hang four deer at one time. Good, good year. My grandpa sent me down there. I ended up with a drill that my dad had used in the coal mines to drill into the oak enough to get a concrete nail to go into an oak beam from a house that was built at that point 100 years ago. It was in the 1980s. So it was right at 100 years. You're going to tell me the house they're building today won't rot to the ground unless extensively maintained in 100 years? Why? Fiat money, fiat house. Fiat money, fiat loan. Fiat money, fiat car. Fiat money, fiat education. Fiat money, fiat health care. You want people to spend Bitcoin. You have to stop building fiat product and asking people to spend hard money on it. Because unless we earn it and it's all we've earned, we're not going to do it. 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 And every Bitcoiner has been through a few cycles that didn't puss out, that didn't go weak hands, that didn't go moist ass biatch, to quote a great movie from the past, right? You got moist ass biatch from the club. Anybody that wasn't a moist ass biatch from the club, right? That went through this, they had this moment. Damn. I had $150,000 worth of Bitcoin. That's only worth $50,000 now. I could have sold it. And at that point, they didn't sell it, and they held on to it. And the next cycle came, and they went, man, I'm glad I didn't sell it. Once you do it one time, you're truly part of Generation Zero. And it can't be undone. And when you've been through it three cycles... It's over and done with, baby. It's over and done with. Join us. Food Forest Farm says, wait till UBI dump more fiat chasing value Bitcoin moves. Yeah. The more. So here's the question. Do you think they're going to stop printing money? Do you think they're going to stop devaluing the dollar? Because if you're if you're short Bitcoin, you're long fiat. Do you want to be long something? that has a century of track record of losing money. Because that's what you are. If you're holding assets denominated in dollars, which all your stocks and shit are, and that's your primary reservoir of wealth, I don't care that you're in Exxon or GE. And I'm not picking on or picking any of these companies as good investments, right, in either direction. I'm just saying, like, if you're holding stock in companies that hold their assets in dollars, you're still holding dollars. Yeah. So you're long fiat. Okay. See how that works out for you. It's all about time preference shift, guys. If your time preference is next month, you should be in fiat. 
Fiat is short time preference, but I got the house for less money, even though the lifetime cost is a lot more expensive. And the trap is that you're forced into that decision by our society. I have to have a place to live. This is the house I can afford. I have a Fiat house. I have to feed my kids. I don't want to feed them poison, but it's the food I can afford. I have Fiat food. You have to start making decisions that change that calculus. And guys, when I found Bitcoin, I was a podcaster in my 40s. Don't sit here at 25 and tell me you can't do it. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear your bullshit. You can choose to have a long time preference. I just had a conversation with my grandson. I think it'd be a good way to end this. I told my grandson, you're about to be 13. So in 10 years, you're going to be 23 years old. Probably about that time or within a few, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26. If you don't do something with the opportunity you have right now, you're going to sit down. Again, this has nothing directly to do with Bitcoin. Anyway. And you're going to say, man, if um, I had the next five years of my life, someone to pay for all my food, all my clothes, my housing, everything that I needed. And all I had to do was like a basic amount of work. And then I had all the rest of my time completely free to do anything I wanted to with. And I had that for five years. I could become extremely wealthy running my own business. And at that point in your life, buddy, it's going to be a fantasy. No one walks up to a 25-year-old guy and says, hey, man, let me, I got an idea. I'll pay all your bills. You have five years to make something of yourself with all that free time. But right now, you do. And you're hitting an age where you're old enough to understand it, but you have to choose. Do you want to have a short time preference and worry about how happy you are in this minute, in this second, in this hour, in this day? Or do you want to build a life so that by the time you have to be responsible for yourself, you get to choose how for the rest of your life? He's 13. He'll probably grow up before a lot of people that will hear this podcast today. Because I didn't get that. I didn't get that opportunity. No one told me that when I was 13. I, I didn't just not think that way. I didn't have anybody around me. I had to suffer. I had to get kicked around by life. I had to work so hard to get my first business mentor. I had to basically, this guy's name was Ron Combest. I had to say, Ron, if you, I, I'm telling you right now, if you mentor me in this job you hired me into, I will listen to you. And he was a good mentor, which meant he was hard to get as a mentor because he didn't believe me and he shouldn't have. I was telling the truth, but he didn't know that. He made me earn it. You guys have it handed to you today. There's a thousand people that do what I do that are better at it than me. Go find one of them if I don't work for you. I don't know how many of them will tell you that. That takes some like belief in yourself, belief in people, and wanting it better for people no matter where they get it from. It takes something. I don't know where I got it, but somewhere in all this, I got that. But it's your choice. You're either going to get on the ship or watch it leave. And it's way early again 
It's not even closed in yet. Plenty of space available. But what you can buy is less than it was, and it will continue to shrink this day forward forever. It's up to you. With that, let's go ahead and hit a few questions and finish up. Um, William said, with Wallet of Satoshi pulling out of the U.S. market, what do you recommend now? Well, first of all, if you have Wallet of Satoshi, you you don't really have to worry about anything. It's not going to go away. It's not going to get deleted. So it'll still work. And there's more than one way to use it. But there's a lot of Lightning Wallets. I would tell you that one thing everybody should have is an account with Strike so that you can buy Bitcoin with it. I recommend getting your own Lightning node if you're up to it. One of the best Lightning wallets out there, in my opinion, is Albi. However, Albi is a very smart company, and they know if they're growing too fast, and they have actually limited growth. You have to have an invitation code to get the Albi extension for uh, a browser right now. But it's a great Lightning wallet. It integrates seamlessly with Nostr, et cetera. Um, I have, I think, 10 codes. If you want an Albi code and you email me, I will send you one. And when they're gone, they're gone. That would be like the place I would look right now. That and, again, getting approved. And I'll say something about Strike. When I recommend a company, for some reason, people think I'm saying, I, Jack Spirigo, Pope of Bitcoin and Lightning, have blessed this company as being perfect. Nobody's perfect. My problem with Strike is that when you like get a, you try to get approved to link a bank account to them or whatever, they go through a third party that they have no control over. And if you get declined, you get declined and nobody will help you. And if that happens, you got to find somebody else. You know, try your spouse or whatever. And I don't have an answer for that. And it's one of the reasons I've tried so hard to get in touch with Jack Mahlers. I would love to have somebody at Strike that I can reach out to and say, hey, will you please help this guy? Because, I mean, I have that with Fold. I, I would love to be able to, but I don't. But it's it's if it works for you, it's a great service. But there's tons of lightning. You know, Exodus has a lightning integration. And... I'm not. Sure, I'm pretty sure Wallet of Satoshi is making that determination because they just don't want to deal with our government. Well, there's ways to. It's software, guys. I'll leave it to you on that one. Um, food plant nursery Brookville says building homes, and I think that's when we were saying what we need to do while we're on the ship. Yeah, building homes was something I thought of. Like, wouldn't you really, if you had this huge ship with lots of space on it, at some point? Start actually building domiciles that when the ship landed, you could immediately like modularly create a village out of. But you would want homes and domiciles on the ship. I mean, I would want the ship to have room for population growth to some degree because you don't know in the next generation that you're going to have enough people that are smart enough to be engineers that can work on a thorium reactor just because you gave them the education. Right. So you need kind of a, a, a large pool of talent to pull from to keep a society going. But building homes would definitely be one that we would have had to do in that experiment. And it's one we have to do now. We need to be building better quality, longer lasting homes now. If we want Bitcoin fixes this, we have to be on both sides of it. We can't just wait for society to understand Bitcoin. We who understand Bitcoin need to start understanding how to build the society we say we want. Um, 
K-Bonk says some of the sharpest people I have ever encountered have been plant repair maintenance workers. I agree. People that fix shit for a living, they get really, really smart. They start because they start realizing like this thing isn't something I've never worked on, but here's all the things about it I intuitively understand by the last thing I worked on. Uh, I agree with that. And I think that, that w- that's a very important thing we need going forward. People that can maintain, build, and engineer things. Aaron, do you think that before that happens, we stop accepting anything but Bitcoin for any good? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Let me put it to you this way, Aaron. Let's say that right now you wanted $1,000 in Bitcoin. And I wanted something you had, and I have $1,000 in fiat. Why wouldn't you take my fiat when all you have to do is buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin with it? You see how ridiculous that as long as it's As long as it is exchangeable from one form to another. Now, what you might say is, oh, I really want Bitcoin, and I, I don't have it. You go, go get it. I go, go screw And you say, well, yeah, I don't really want to go screw. I kind of want the thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. You know what, Jack? I'll sell it to you, but I want a thousand and fifty dollars of Federal Reserve. Either buy it or I don't. But no, we are not going to you're not going to see like somebody might do it. Some company might do it as a. um, As a virtue signaling thing, our company only accepts Bitcoin or whatever, but reality uh, and I want to talk a little bit real quick here before we wrap up. This is really a question, but Tommy D says strike is the ultimate KYC requires a photo through your phone. Okay. If you're going to buy, I'm going to say this one more time and I really, I'm going to, I need to record this and put it in a loop somewhere where I just put a link in and wherever you click, it's just going to take you there until it changes, right? Until, until this reality changes. If you're going to buy Bitcoin on an exchange for fiat dollars, You're going to KYC because it's the law and they have to if they want to stay in business. If you want Bitcoin without KYC, you can mine it. okay, or you can provide a service that's so good that people will pay you in Bitcoin. That is it. Or you can buy it privately where you're going to pay a premium for it. It's probably not worth it. This is again, this is where Maxis have to stop crying. It's immutable. It's unconfiscatable. Then why do you care if somebody knows you have it? I understand it's not their business. I mean, don't get me wrong. If there was a place that I could buy Bitcoin for fiat with zero KYC requirements without paying some stupid like 20% premium and risking, you know, money laundering bullshit or something, I would do it. But I'm not going to not buy it because of that. It's KYC. Do you have a bank account? Yeah, then shut up. Do you have a credit card? Yeah, then shut up. Do you own your house in your name? Yeah, then shut up. You have a social security number? Yeah, then shut up. You have a birth certificate? Yeah, then shut up. You're KYC'd everywhere. Stop fearing what you already are. There's an old shit when Elon started his blue check bullshit over on X, right? It's KYC. Do you have, do you buy anything? Do you use a credit card? You're KYC'd. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. Uh, anyway. I'm going to uh, go ahead and wrap up now. I want to remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can always help support us by doing your online shopping beginning at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. We talked a lot about long-term time preference today. Let's talk about like a midterm 
time preference with our item of the day. Uh, the Incuview all-in-one automatic egg incubator is on sale today. It's like 10 or 11% off, something like that. So you save a little bit of money. You can invest in some Bitcoin while you're hatching your eggs at the same time, a little extra money uh, going in that other direction uh, as you acquire this asset. This is a good asset. I have owned one of these in the past. Um, I used it so much. I got every dollar out of it and eventually quit. I probably could have fixed it, but uh, part of my job is to try other models. So I, I chose to do that, but I actually had mailed this thing a good 20 or 30 times around to people to use because I don't need it all the time. And that's one of the things I think is really cool about it. It's lightweight packs are relatively small. It'll fit in like the large, if it fits, it ships uh, box from uh, the U S mail service. And so people can share it. And when I say mid time preference right now, if you got one of these today and you put chicken eggs in it today, they will start laying eggs about mid-June. That's how long it's going to take for a baby chicken to grow up and give you an egg. So what's going to happen very soon after that, about a month after that, if you have existing chickens, they are all going to start dropping feathers. It's called the molt. And then they're not going to lay eggs for about six to eight weeks. So the only way you combat that is you have a next generation of birds. Now, I don't know if you've priced chicks lately, but they're very expensive. So this can pay for itself very quickly, including with a nice little entrepreneurial business where maybe you raise pullets up to a certain age and then sell them off and say, now, these are only, you know, five weeks away from laying or something like that. So there's a lot of options where you can make this pay for itself. So here's my advice that I've always given when it comes to buying things. Try to buy things that pay for themselves. And if you need to buy a thing, figure out how to make it pay for itself. This one does that. And remember, you can find all my product recommendations. They're always based on price-to-value ratios at tspaz.com. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. It went longer than I planned. I'm glad we started an hour early. I still have the rest of the day to get things ready. I do have a workshop coming up this Saturday for composting. I've heard from seven people, several people all of a sudden that want to come. It's sold out. It was available for two and a half weeks. It's sold out. I don't have any more room. It's a half-day thing. I booked 10 people for it, plus I've got a guy filming and stuff like that. So that's it. It's done. If you have not gotten the email from me and you paid, let me know. You should have got it. There's a post on the blog that gives you all the details. But there's an email that gives you my home address and my phone number. I don't put that out publicly, even though you could probably find it if you wanted to. Uh, so if you haven't received that yet, you need to email me with TSPC in the subject line. I got several of those today and I responded to them. So if you sent me one, you didn't get a response. Something's wrong. Hit me on Telegram or something like that. With that, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode since tomorrow is Thursday for a short week this week. Expert Council Q&A show for the week. bail you out just run you around. They said you should have a house. The American way a dollar down a dollar a month and you never have to pay there's a better way to do this let me show you a better way